0: May 22nd, 2019. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. and professor with a powerful new book on domestic violence. Rachel Louise Snyder is joining us, everybody. Also on tonight's show, China is going to own the Internet, New York City wants to look at your texts, and Whitney Houston is going back on tour. But first, (laughs) let's catch up on today's headlines. We begin with news out of the Midwest. Recently, they have faced a record number of storms and it looks like it's only about to get worse.
1: Breaking overnight, get
2: out. Emergency evacuations and dramatic rescues after heavy flooding hits the Midwest and the South. An entire region slammed by powerful tornadoes for a fifth straight day. Tens of millions in the danger zone once again.
0: Since the tornado threat began here on Saturday, there have been 133 reported tornadoes, more than 30 just in the last 24 hours. Over 130 tornadoes in five days. That is terrifying. Oh, mostly because tornadoes are the worst natural disaster. Like they're super destructive and it feels like they make it personal, you know? (laughs) No, because like hurricanes and floods affect entire regions, a tornado just wants your house. (laughs) Just flies in like, wah! and then you're like, what about my neighbor? No, no. 130 tornadoes. That is insane. I also feel bad for the land of Oz. They probably got houses dropping on them every 15 minutes. Yeah, it's just witch funerals up there 24-7. And I get killing the wicked ones, but at some point, it's just witch genocide. Let's be honest, people. (laughs) And look, when you see this many tornadoes in this amount of time, you have to ask yourself if this is part of climate change. Because today, just today, a new climate report came out saying that things are getting worse. Sea levels could rise by six feet by the end of the century, which means cities like New York and Miami could be underwater. Yeah, it's really bad news. Statistically, the only person that will survive that is Shaq, that's it. (laughs) Just him by himself, yeah. (laughs) He'd be like, I know the whole world died, but the fact that Charles Barkley is gone made it all worth it. (laughs) But let's move on from real tornadoes to a human tornado. Last night, a woman in California led police on a car chase in an RV. Now, luckily, no people or animals were hurt. But please brace yourselves for one of the craziest things you've ever seen.
2: A wild police chase near Los Angeles last night involving a stolen motorhome. A woman behind the wheel crashed into a parking lot tree, ripping off part of the front end of the windshield. She also hit several cars during the chase. At one point, a dog could be seen hanging out of the open windshield before it jumped out. It all ended when the motorhome hit a car. God
0: damn! That was like a Grand Theft Auto mission in real life. When I saw that, I grabbed my control by instinct. I was like, gotta get this to the warehouse before the mess blows up in the back. Come on. Like, I'm surprised that everyone was was fine when they walked away from this thing. And it's crazy to watch an RV causing all that chaos. Because it's basically a high-speed chase that you can follow on Zillow, you know? It's just like, oh, shit, look at this. Two-bedroom. Oop, now it's a one-bedroom. Like, you realize this was so insane that even the woman's dog was trying to escape. Like, that's when you know you've gone too far. When your dog's trying to abandon you. Yeah, because dogs are ride or die, right? I've seen homeless people with dogs. Dogs will stick with you through thick and thin. That's why we love them. But that dog was like, all right, I know two things. Peanut butter's delicious, and this bitch is crazy. I'm out. I'm out. In other news, Washington State. It's the state with legalized pots, <laughs> assisted suicide, fans in the audience, <laughs> and now a new way to get rid of your body...
1: Washington state is now the first in the nation to allow composting of human remains. Governor Jay Inslee signing the new law on Tuesday. The remains are mixed with wood chips and other material and then turned into soil. It's an alternative to regular burials or cremation. Lawmakers say those methods are bad for the environment because they release chemicals and carbon.
0: Wow, I like how this is the newest way to go green. Just throw your relatives in the ditch. Yeah, (laughs) some next-level recycling. I mean, now we've got paper, plastic, and grandpa. Nice job. (laughs) Nice job. (laughs) Seriously, though, this... This is a cool idea, right? Instead of polluting the earth with a burial or polluting the sky with a cremation, you can just create compost, right? You just create compost. Is that how Americans say it? And you can use it to grow a vegetable garden. And then when you have people over for dinner, they'll be like, this is delicious, what's your secret? You can be like, oh, it's Phyllis. That's what it is. (laughs) And I'll be honest, I support this. I think everyone should have the right to choose how they're gonna be buried. That's why when I die, I wanna get buried in a McDonald's ball pit, yes. (laughs) I like to bring joy to children, makes life interesting. (laughs) And finally, in entertainment news, if you don't like being buried or turned into compost after you die, technology is giving us another option. Whitney Houston fans could have an opportunity to see The Late Singer in concert even seven years after her death. The Popeye icon's estate says it's planning to launch a Whitney Houston hologram tour and a new album. The show will include recordings of The Late Singer along with a live band and backup singers. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> nope, I'm sorry, but no. A hologram tour, of like no one should buy tickets just to watch a hologram, all right, and worse, If you get the crappy seats, can you imagine now you're in the nosebleeds watching the Jumbotron? (laughs) Like, if you're paying $80 to watch a Jumbotron of a hologram, kill yourself. (laughs) Turn your ass into compost. (laughs) Why do we, like, why are we having a hologram perform? Like, you know what I would pay for? I'd pay for an audience member hologram, yeah. And then he goes to the concert, and then I stay at home and play video games with my hologram best friend. That's what I want to (laughs) do. Like, I don't understand why we keep using hologram technology to revive artists. We already have artists, all right? We need to use it to create things we don't have. Like, we should make a hologram of immigrant fathers who aren't afraid to say, I love you, yeah? (laughs) No, because that's one thing. If you have an immigrant father, you know what I'm talking about. They (laughs) they never say the phrase, I love you, yeah. One time, my cousin was like, I love you, Dad, and his dad was like, okay, good luck, eh? (laughs) All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our top story. The United States and China. <laughs> for months now, the two countries have been involved in an escalating trade war. The US imposed tariffs on Chinese exports. China responded with tariffs on US exports. And Black China is suing her hairdresser. Unrelated, but still pretty intense. <laughs> but right now, right now, there's an even bigger war between these two countries that's coming to a head. And this war, my friends, is for the future.
2: China and the United States are in a face-off, a battle for the ages. Whoever controls 5G is going to have an enormous strategic advantage in the future.
0: This is exactly what China wants. They want to defy Western alliances through bits and bytes, not bullets and bombs. If we don't win the race to 5G, uh, America might never really become that uh, leading superpower again.
2: Senator Marco Rubio compares the race to 5G to the space race with the Soviets of the 50s. He
0: tweeted, if America falls behind, we will pay a huge price. Yeah, this is serious, folks. And I know right now what you're thinking. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe America might lose the race for 5G. And you're also thinking, what is 5G? Now. I know, it's weird, 5G sounds like the worst seat to get on a long flight, but (laughs) 5G is really about the future of the internet, really. Actually, why don't I just let the president explain it to you? It's all about 5G now. We were 4G and everybody was saying we have to get 4G. And then they said, before that, we have to get 3G. And now we have to get 5G and 5G is a big deal. And that's gonna be there for a while and I guess uh, at some point we'll be talking to you about number six. What do you think? Do you think that's true, Uh, okay. I don't think the president understands what 5G is either. You got, you got 5G, then 6G, and then, of course, there's Kenny G, the <laughs> smoothest of the Gs. But, but for real, though, what is the deal with 5G? And why are the U.S. and China going to war over it? Well, we'll try and break it down for you in our ongoing segments. If you don't know, now you know. So, what exactly is the big deal about 5G? Because you might think it's just 4G, but a little bit faster. But it's actually a lot faster. So fast, in fact, that it could change the world. The new world of 5G technology promises to transform our lives, connecting millions of devices and enabling everything from driverless cars to smart homes. Up to 20 times faster than the 4G most of us use now, 5G's lightning-fast technology will accelerate and interconnect everything. To download a two-hour film on 3G would take about 26 hours. On 4G, you'd be waiting six minutes. And on 5G, you'll be ready to watch your film in just over three and a half seconds. Damn, you could download an entire movie in three seconds. That's going to be fast. I mean, we'll still spend 45 minutes trying to decide which movie to download. (laughs) But once we've decided, we'll need to go to bed because we're tired. But tomorrow, three seconds, my friends. And 5G isn't just about download speeds. It's a game changer for everything. Like, with 5G, you can have cities where everything communicates. Like, doctors can perform surgeries from the other side of the world. Can you imagine a world where your videos never buffer, right, your calls never drop? That would be amazing. I, except, I guess, now you could never fake a call dropping with 5G. <laughs> yeah, because that excuse is gone. You'd be like, ah, oh, th- oh, I'm, lo- I'm losing, I'm losing, you're breaking, up. Oh, be like, motherfucker. You're not breaking up. We got 5G. <laughs> We're like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Carry on, grandma. <laughs> yes, my grandma, is Samuel L. Jackson. So, <laughs> so look, there's no denying the technology is great. But why do China and the U.S. care so much about who makes it? Well, it's the same reason they care about anything. The Benjamins, baby. When the U.S. won the 4G race earlier this decade, It provided a nearly $100 billion boost to gross domestic product. And the stakes of the 5G race are even higher. If the U.S. wins, it would create an estimated 3 million jobs and add approximately $500 billion to GDP. That's right. If America wins the 5G race, that could bring millions of jobs and $500 billion to the country's GDP. $500 billion dollars you know how hard it is to get $500 billion? Like, you'd have to marry and divorce Jeff Bezos five times. (laughs) And I mean, after the fourth time, he'd probably catch on. He'd be like, I think you don't love me. What, me, Jeff? (laughs) And the fight about 5G isn't just about money and downloading Avengers like that. No, it's also about power. Because if you control 5G, you have access to everything people are doing online, which is everything. And right now... The best 5G technology is made by a Chinese company called Huawei. And because the Chinese company is Chinese, many governments don't trust how secure it's going to be. Huawei may be best known to most people for making phones, but it's also a leading player in building the infrastructure for all our communications. Critics fear that allowing it to build 5G could enable the Chinese state to spy on or even switch off the flow of data we will all depend on. Imagine that. If Huawei becomes the leading 5G provider in the world, then China can spy on everyone, which is terrible, because that's what America wants to do.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, and I know you're judging. Well, if America wants to do it, then how do they judge? It? It's not, that's not the point, all Right? You want to do it first. It's like when you cut someone off in traffic and then someone else cuts in front of you, you're like, hey, asshole, that was my move. (laughs) But those are the stakes, job, money, and power. And I'm not going to try and bore you with all the technical details, but while America is developing its own 5G, China's 5G is so far ahead. Like, they're basically going to set the trends. It's like how back in the day, there used to be a fight between DVD and Laserdisc. Yeah, and if you're wondering, what the hell is Laserdisc? Exactly, yeah, (laughs) that's America's 5G. So this is a race many people are already saying America has lost. Luckily, and I can't believe I'm saying this, America is lucky that you have a maniac on your team who's willing to play dirty.
2: President Trump has signed an executive order banning U.S. companies from using telecom equipment deemed to be a national security threat. And that's a direct shot at China and its tech giant Huawei.
1: As the U.S. clampdown on the company causes a major domino effect. The U.K.'s biggest
0: mobile network pulling Huawei from its 5G launch, while three of Japan's mobile operators have stopped taking orders or delayed the summer release of a new Huawei phone. Donald J. mother effing Trump. (laughs) This guy could see America wasn't gonna win, so he just got a crowbar and pulled a Tonya Harding on China's 5G. (laughs) Just went in straight there. Yeah, the man might not know what 5G is, but he does know (laughs) how to mess up other people's shit. Just in there. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't actually blame Donald Trump because I don't know how else America can win this race. Because even if America does manage to cripple Huawei and China, it's not like America will suddenly have great 5G, right? You won't just have 5G overnight. Unless America just pretends that it does.
2: AT&T is putting a fake 5G logo on iPhones and iPads now. The company confirmed into PC Magazine that the new icon's going to show up when users download Apple's latest beta version of iOS 12.2. But it's not really 5G. AT&T just changed the name for its 4G LTE advanced network to 5G-E. The E stands for evolution.
0: Okay, guys, that, that's really sad at and just gonna lie and put another stick. It's like you have a a smart car and then you just tape Lamborghini on the side of it. (laughs) Just check it out, man. I'm driving a Lambo now, zero to 60 in four minutes, flat. (laughs) But seeing as it's a race that might be lost, AT&T might be onto something here because this is considered the new space race. So maybe America can win this race the same way it won the last one. Just fake it, baby. We'll be right back.
1: Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. <clears> at <throat> and connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. at
0: and Welcome back to the Daily Show. My guest tonight is an award-winning journalist and author of the new book, No Visible Bruises: What We Don't Know About Domestic Violence Can Kill Us. Please welcome Rachel Louise Snyder. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And thank you for writing a book that genuinely I feel is sorely needed. The conversations around domestic abuse are generally um, oversimplified in my opinion. You know, mm-hmm. people will just be like, oh, you know, if he hits you, get out. Or, or if she hits yeah. you, then just leave. Or it, it yeah. becomes this really simple story. But, but the title in of itself is a powerful commentary on, on, on the idea of abuse. No visible bruises. Why that title?
2: Because the worst part of domestic violence, if you talk to any victims, is the psychological abuse, the emotional abuse. You know, there's a, there's a woman in my book I open um, with a woman whose husband uh, went to this area outside of the city they lived, Billings, Montana, and got a rattlesnake and brought it home and kept it in a cage and just kept her in line with the threat of putting it in bed. And I don't, I don't know what you call that. I don't think that's called domestic violence. It's not physical violence, right. but it's certainly a kind of terror. It's an emotional abuse, definitely. Absolutely, yeah.
0: A- and when you, when you read through this book, one thing that is intriguing is how you, you, you've taken the conversations and made them human. Mm-hmm. For instance, you, you, you spend time with a family that deals with physical abuse. Um, you speak to men who are abusers, and, and you mm-hmm. talk to them and try and get into their minds. Why did you go for that approach? Because, I mean, most people would just speak to the abused, but not the abuser, but you you really take an interesting approach where you speak to those who are the perpetrators.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess I would answer that two ways. The first thing I would say is that we have like 450 years in this country of not caring about domestic violence. So I was like, how do I make people care? You know, that's the one, the first thing. And the second thing was, if you leave out any voices, then you're not going to make any hope of progress, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, you have to talk to those people. Otherwise, you're dealing all the time with events after they've happened rather than trying to change the outcomes. Right. The
0: first part of the book specifically deals with the commonly asked f- question, and that is, why didn't why, she just leave?
2: Why don't they just
0: leave? Why don't they why just Why don't
2: leave? they leave? Let's put the impetus. You know what I like to say? It's like, think about, like, if a, if a burglar came into your house mm-hmm. and then you called the police and the police were like, oh my gosh, it's so terrible that your house has been burgled. Well, you're going to have to leave your house now, but we're going to leave the burglar there, right? Right. Like, that's what we do with domestic violence victims. Like, how unfortunate that you didn't, you know, why don't you just leave? The fact is, they do leave, and they leave all the time. But leaving is a process, not an event. It takes years for them to leave. The woman in my book, With the Snake... She was putting all kinds of things in place to leave. She had put the house secretly in her name. Um, Her father owned the house, and so he had done that. She was taking nursing classes to try to get a job so that she could support her children. But these things take years to put in place.
0: Right. A lot of the time, unfortunately, many of these women leave by dying. That's one of the saddest facts in and around domestic abuse, not just in America but around the world. You have a system where men abuse women and oftentimes kill them in these families. What is really, um, I think heart-wrenching about this is how so many states and so many countries have rules that almost soften the idea of what that crime is. You know, the people will call crimes of passion or or people will try and soften that. Do you you think that's something we have to change? And more importantly, how do we begin changing that idea?
2: I, I think absolutely we need to change. I mean, to me, it starts with changing the language around it. Like, it... Crimes of passion is a great example, right? Or you hear jail calls of guys who are like, if I didn't love you so much, I wouldn't be doing this. It's right. my love for you that's making me do this. And I think that is a dangerous narrative. Um, there's just a ton of coercion that happens in a domestic violence situation. And if you listen to these calls, it's really stunning because they all follow like a very similar dialogue. And there are countries where there are laws against coercive um, control now. The UK has one, France has one. California and New York are looking at them. Um, I don't don't know, I don't have a sense of whether or not the United States is in a place to have those conversations. I think the fact that, that, like, I'm out here right now I I just don't think this would have happened five years ago. Right, right.
0: Just a conversation in and around that. Yeah. As a journalist and and as a writer, you, you, you took us on a journey and you take us on a journey in this book that connects with the human side of everything, including the men who have done something extremely horrible. Um... What's really fascinating is how you find yourself thrown off by how normal they are. I know. Why is it important oh for people to know that? I,
2: you know, I have four brothers, so I'm like, oh yeah, I know how men are. Like, right. yeah, yeah. And I, I got in the first batter's intervention group I, I ever sat in on. I was like, oh my God, they're they're just like people I'd go out for a beer with. Like, we have this vision of a rageaholic or somebody that we'll somehow be able to recognize. and you And you can't, you know? But the other thing is, The once those guys were in a safe place, meaning they didn't have, like, someone kind of egging them on, they didn't have their friends who were sort of expecting them to behave a certain way, they showed not only real vulnerability, but, like, a desire to not be violent. Right. It was really quite moving.
0: It really is a a, a powerful exploration into a topic that many people are uncomfortable with, because... Many people, including myself, have lived in homes where we've experienced this. If somebody reads this book and somebody is in an abusive relationship, what do you hope that they will take out of it?
2: You know, the first thing I think is people need to share their stories. When you share your story, you give some some truth to it. Like, you start naming what it is. Um, but I also think that we need to press a little bit. Like, I, I've been telling people at readings um, this little journalistic tool that you probably know because you interview people all the time. But I say to them, like just press. If you have a coworker or, f- or a friend and they say something like, well, things aren't so good at home, use their own language back to them. I mean, journalists do this right, all the time. Right. Like, oh, things aren't good at home? Like, what? Right. T- tell me more. And then you just automatically go deeper. I think we need to sort of take away the stigma of talking about this kind of stuff.
0: I hope people read the book. I hope we have more of these conversations. Thank you so much for coming Thank on the show. Thank you. Really wonderful having you. <laughs> no Visible Bruises is available now. Rachel Lee Flat, everybody. Thank you.